episode 103 of the Tar and Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan, myself, Kyle Gregg. So, Tom, you've got a, you've got your good old capital C shirt again. Uh, you're not endorsing this. The May the Fourth be with you. I see. Good evening, Kyle, and happy Star Wars Day to listeners. It is, of course, May the Fourth. I celebrate my own way. I don't necessarily wear a T-shirt. You see, Kyle is wearing his. Chewbacca hat and a Star Wars t-shirt. Oh, of look at that. My, my, Star Bo- my Star Wars Chewbacca. Very nice. I'm going all light, Tom. I've got nothing else to do, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, it's May the 4th. It's a sunny day. Uh, it's another week of lockdown. We This week, exciting another great set. We've continued to try and bring you some content to keep you entertained during this COVID period. We've got British international marathoner and Scottish runner Steph Davis to talk about everything about her running a recent breakthrough which is cool we've got a bit of discussion with uh, James Cruikshank top physiotherapist um, aka physio run around foot strength and his unlaced the brace program and me and Kyle have been in a bit of wings for life action <laughs> haven't we just maybe a good place yeah. to start <laughs> yeah, so before uh, James comes on we'll have you know a few minutes talking about the wings for life so um, essentially, what it is, it's a it's a it's a charity it's a charity race. Uh, it usually takes place in every single country around the world, not every single country, but many countries. And uh, you've got a car that chases you, so you everyone starts at the same time. So for the virtual race, everyone started at twelve p.m. in UK time, and uh, both myself and Tom were taking part, weren't we? We were. So it was, do you know, of all the virtual races we've done, it was probably my favorite because the difference is you had an app, right? So the app started at the same time you'd registered and you've got your headphones in and it's going, here we go, guys, five, (laughs) four, three, two, one, go. And and even though, unlike all these, all these nonsense discussions we've had about elapsed time, moving time, you're running your Garmin, but the app doesn't stop. You've got to run and it tracks your GPS. So it's a, it felt like I'm really running at the same time as everyone, which was cool. And, I'll be, I was, I mean, we'll go into what we both had technical issues, which is maybe <laughs> excuses are interesting, but irrelevant and all that. I really was, I was ready to go marathon distance plus. I really was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I, I felt, I, I thought my tactic was go out like sort of comfortable 620, 640s to the first half, pick it up and then try and close hard. And, and it was going to plan. I, I felt like, I felt pretty tired, but anyway, long story short, I got to, I got home. I did a 20 mile loop, got to the house, the last two laps, last two miles I was running, I was down to 5.55, so right, here oh, it goes, crank it up, go. went to the house to get a drink, so I thought, if I'm going to go longer than marathon, I should get a, some new fuel, went in to get a drink, and the GPS signal lost in the house, and it just said, oh. you're done, mate, you're finished. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's shit. But what, I, what thought was... it would, um, I thought it would still go, but I think... No. I remember reading the rules and, and it said something about um, if your internet goes, that's okay. But if your GPS goes, you're done. Uh, you should have left your you should have left your phone in the wheelie bin. I know, I know. Honestly, all these things and, and I just didn't think that would be the case. And I tell you, well, I'm going to say, what the hell are you going back in your house for when you're in the, in the middle of a fucking race? Well, yeah, but, you? all right. Don't this go, is don't do ultra race and go and have a little cup of tea and a coffee, would you did go for your lunch you, as well at the same you, time. Did you fuel at all? I did, but I took it with me. Yeah, see, that's the problem. I Right, also listeners, Kyle messaged me about this about 45 <laughs> minutes before true. it started. I was unaware of this event until 45 minutes before it started. So when I learned about it, I was like, 
all right, I'm guessing I'm going out for a marathon this morning. I was probably doing 20 miles, which is what I was getting. I did 21 in the end. So I, I kind of, it was all, I didn't, I just put on my regular running shoes, my headphones and my phone and went out. And I, it was only when I got to about 10K, I thought, Christ, I should probably have some fuel here. Um, well, I'm not an ultra runner. And I, I just, I'd said to you, I didn't actually, uh, the, so the format for listeners don't understand. The car starts 30 minutes after you start, as Kyle said, and you get in your rears. The car, after 30 minutes, you hear this voice going, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> yeah. It sounded like it's some sort of erotic uh, radio I was listening to. It was very creepy, yeah. Wasn't it? It was very creepy. And also, when you hit like a mile or a kilometer, it gave you an update that you were like, well done, you've done one mile. And the quotes were so like cringe. It was like, you are so hot. You are hotter than the sun. <laughs> you're going to make the cover of Runner's World. <laughs> yeah. There was one that was like, you're not, you're not running around the world. The world is moving beneath your feet. <laughs> what are you? You're the next Eugene Bolt? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so I was anyway, so that was my excuse. And to be honest, I, when it cut out at twenty-one miles, I, mean, I was I was ready to go again. But equally, I was like, well, I've done I've done my long run, so I'm I'm more than happy to uh, stop. But you had slightly different different technical difficulties to me. Well, I mean, I tried to take advantage of the the virtualness of the event, so I uh, I jogged to the to the to the to the the highest hill nearby Afford, and uh, and ran ran downhill. So that I would get a nice easy like five fifty per mile. Uh, but then equally, like <laughs> there's nowhere flat in Afford. There's absolutely nowhere flat in Afford. So all the hills that I had to go up and down throughout the the, the entirety of the event um, would cost me like would, would essentially make it a, as flat a course as possible. So I took advantage of a little downhill start. But my first kilometer. So if I was running a 550 per mile, what's that in per kilometers? Is that maybe like 340 or 345? Uh, yeah, three, like I would say three, 340, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the, the audio man gets, you know, he, he clicks in at kilometer one and said I ran a 410 per K. And I thought, <laughs> you're joking here. I'm, I'm busting my ass here, you know. The first, uh, you know, I would never run a 550. Assuming... So I had it in my head I would run for me. I'll try and run for 60K if I can. Oh, nice. That was what I was trying to go for. Even though I had like, you know, lots of lumps around after the thought, it's, it's worth a try, you know? Yeah. Uh, so the moment I, I heard a 410, I thought, Christ's sake, that's not good, is it? And then the next K was like a 410. I thought, that's another 545 in my watch here, you know? Yeah. Or 550. And then the next K, next mile was 550. Next K was 410, 420. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I get to 10K and my 10K times, like, you know, I, I think I'm just under 30, just over, I'm sitting on top of 36 for the 10, you know? And, uh, and, and by this point, you know, the, the Wings for Life man sticks, sticks a wee note saying I've just run a 8K and a five miles in 36 minutes. I thought, yeah, or 8K in 36 minutes. I'm like, wow, a load of shite. So yeah. at, this, at this point, I'm like, I'm taking my mobile phone out my out my pocket and waving it at the sky, you know, in the hope that I get GPS. <laughs> so I'm running along, you know, at five sub six minute miles, holding this phone in the sky, thinking I'm gonna get a better time. Nah, did the hell. Um That's a shame. Th I was so annoyed. So like I thought maybe it'll even itself out. But at the same time, um I had my, my watch on so I could check, you know, I, I was more reliant and I knew. I knew that I wasn't running 410 a K. Absolutely no yeah, way. I was yeah. running a lot quicker than that. Um, but 
the issue I had was my uh, my actual phone doesn't have much battery. You know, it lasts for two or three hours. But it lasts a little bit longer than that. But I wasn't going to take advantage of that. Uh, so I, I used Debbie's phone, like her old phone. And it, mm-hmm. it clearly didn't have a GPS, GPS signal, or a good one. I don't know why, but I don't think it was the app because then everyone's app would have been wrong. Um, yeah. So, uh, I was a little bit... So I ended up running for about... Well, I was like, right, well, I'll just ignore the app and, you know, it is what it is. And I get to like mile 20 and I'm, I'm only on 18, no, I'm only on like 20, 20K. <laughs> I'm like, Christ, this car's going to catch me. Tommy's going to think he's, he's absolutely annihilating me right now. Because I never checked your message until I got home. I thought, God, Tommy's going to be absolutely... Uh, that would be hilarious. Roaring in the success. Sounds like, oh, no, I can't get Tommy beating me here. And I thought, right. And then I got to like mile 22 and I thought, right, I'm going back up that hill where I started the run. I thought, do I want to go back up that hill for what? What am I going back yeah. up that hill for if my, my app's not working? I thought, Maybe it great adjusted your pace. Well, that's what I was thinking when I was running. I thought, maybe it has. Maybe it's great adjusted. My you find, your, your course <laughs> optimizing is finally... <laughs> yeah. you've, come, you've come with croppings. A cropper, <laughs> even. Yeah. So I was like... I, ah, think, I think you've just been this. bad luck with a bit of dodgy GPS, ah, to be honest. Because, I mean, exactly. I look at your Strava last night. You look like you're shifting. Oh, do you know what? Like, I felt really good. Like, other than my hip... My, I'll talk about that in another episode again. But... Um, like just a lot of nerve pain going through the hip. But I mean, I can run through it. It's just uncomfortable. Um, mm. But I felt okay. You know, I felt quite good. Um, I was quite, I, you know, I could have definitely lasted another uh, few K at that pace if it was flat and I wasn't going to headwind at the end. But um, I was quite, I was really happy. It's the longest run I've done for a while. And um, it was good fun, you know, like at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun, and, and you know, we there was an entry fee, and you can donate an extra bit. So I haven't really put too much towards charity. So I thought I'll um, I'll fork out a wee bit for this one. I'm forking out later tonight with a charity quiz we're doing for Chaz. Um, so uh, yes, I, I think you know it was it was really good, and it, it raised millions and millions of pounds for for the charity, which is um, do you know I, I can't even remember what the charity is like amputees. It was a yeah, spinal cord. Um, yeah. Yes, a study. But you know what? So on the on the app, I think that yeah, it's definitely the most interactive virtual race experience we've had. And I would, I guess, you've got to carry a phone. That's difficulty. So doing it with yeah. like a a ten k or five k wouldn't be, wouldn't work. But having a pair of wireless headphones in and you're following the race, I think there's ultra marathons. I think can definitely do something on this. Now, I guess course is difficult. How would you compare what course people run? But I uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And actually, if they do it next year, I'll probably do it again. I think so. Like, it, I mean, it's it's not usually a virtual event, but um, I, I've always really. I, I mean, I look back at my history and, and my, I was deleting all these websites on my iPhone, and I realised I looked at the Wings for Life two years ago, oh. and uh, it, it's down in in London, Cambridge, I think, somewhere. Okay. Um, but I would I would love to do the event. I think it'd be a great really crack. Um, yeah. Such a like you know, it's just a different format, but it's. Um, yeah, it's, it's ultra as well, which is my thing is, is ultra running. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the format. And uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just annoyed that it wasn't your, your first ultra, Tom, you know? I know. Well, I, I, I was kind of, as we went, as I was got to like 20 miles and I felt, honestly, I felt like ready to keep going. How long I would have kept going, I don't know. But I, anyway, we'll see. Obviously, that wasn't meant to be on the outside. But do you know what, mate? I'm feeling, I feel really fit. I feel really fired up now. I'm... Just, I need a marathon. 
Yeah. Honestly, he, I need a marathon. Like, gagging I'm, for it. I'm absolutely gagging for a race. At the moment. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people are, but I, I know I've started even thinking about, right, Valencia is December. I think that's the most likely next race for me. I think I think London is, is I think London will get moved in it or maybe become an elite race or something. Valencia, I've got more hope in. So it's get basically it's a question of I think my training peak says thirty weeks till Valencia. Oh, does it? <laughs> so I was, yes. I was, you know, I was so you know what what can you do in thirty weeks? So my to be honest, my biggest dilemma now is I think I was going to go quicker in London, maybe like I think two twenty nine. I think I wouldn't. I was confident I could go under two thirty. Yeah, but the problem is, so I've had a good block. Do I, I'm not just going to settle and say right, I'm going to go two thirty again. I've now got thirty weeks to try and go quicker. So um, I actually had, um, you know, it's great we got you know, Steph on this week. Speaking to Steph Davis last week and hearing about these, you know, we all, you know, these girls who are running incredibly well and absolutely smashing it. I've been watching a lot of London marathons recently and watching all the old boys. I watched the 1983 and 1984 this week. And it's so inspiring watching folk who are the way that they're training. You know, we've got next percents. We've got all these fancy gels. We've got treadmills at our houses, all these things we've got now. And these guys are all, there's so many guys like running, you know, like way under 230. And it just fools fools you with inspiration to get your own goals, you know? Yeah. I I think as well, you know, like you you, kind of, I don't know what the the right word is, but you forget like how, hard not even hard it was for them but they their hard is their hard our what am i trying to say here our hard is their easy does that make sense you yeah. i think so 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 basically they would just go out and thrash all, or he or she would go out and thrash all these miles out whereas mm-hmm. we look at that and go oh man that's a lot of work whereas they just did it as part of their lifestyle like you know they can't way in a way you know they just go out and just you know, do 10 miles in the morning, 10 miles in the evening before work, you know, a full, full day of work, glorious work as well. And, and, uh, and we're kind of like, oh man, you know, you reach that hundred mile mark. Wow. You guys are amazing. Or it's not really like that, is it? You know, no. back then it was, it's just that it's almost the perception of what, what it meant to them, you know, like what it means to us now. And maybe we're a bit, I, I, I reckon we're maybe just a little bit, more um, fluffy in, in the way we do things these days compared to back then. They just th- go out and yeah. flash out. But I think the guard, I mean, I'm someone who's very, you know, you know me, I'm very much about the date, very much, you know, use my watch, all that, a lot of people are. And I think having that on you all the time is maybe quite disheartening. If you are if you were training and you're just running on either no watch or just a Casio with accumulated time, you don't, you can't look at your watch and see, oh my God, I'm running a 520. Oh my God, I'm running 730. Oh my God, I'm running 820. Whatever you're, fast is and i'm reading i said this last week i'm reading the how bad you want it the matt fitzgerald um book and that's really interesting when he starts they've got these studies about um the perception of effort and how the the chapter on at the moment they're talking about how people how things can how you make what feels hard not hard right we've got our 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 first guest tonight is here mr james crookshank is joining us Good evening. Welcome to TRS, episode 103. May the fourth be with you. Oh, yes. look at that. Yes. James, where's your Star Wars outfit? I've got it on. Chewbacca. <laughs> 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 I realised it. I forgot that you're a hairy beast. 
<laughs> I shaved. I shaved literally five minutes ago, and it's grown back already. <laughs> <laughs> literally, fi- the literal five o'clock shadow. Yeah. Wow. Well, oh, Six thirty. So, welcome to your third appearance on TRS. Number three. Wow. Yeah. It's well, I, I didn't right. realize it was your third appearance. Is it? Yeah. Episode. You were on an early episode when you we have some uh, good physio chat, and you join us with TRS and friends. That's right. The Christmas back, special. Yeah, and then back on now for a bit of unlaced the brace chat. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, well, let's uh, let's crack on with it then. So, James, I haven't, I didn't take part in the unlaced brace, but I'm I'm lucky enough to receive the ebook. Um, so I, I can't really, uh, you know, but I will ask some questions. But Tom, you you took part in the unlaced brace during the coronavirus lockdown, which is I did still continuing, and and not only has Tom sang sang the praises about it, but many other. Uh, folk who were part of that have also sung their praises so uh yeah tell us all about it then just for the listeners yeah so it's it's probably been something that's been burning away since about 2015 uh myself and karen from the practice were lucky enough to go over to uh, phoenix and spend some time at the altus um training camp prior to rio where a lot of the american athletes and a lot of the canadian athletes were training at the time and one of the biggest things that, that we took home from our trip out there was how aware the athletes were of A, their bodies, B, their training, and also see their, their feet, and also the therapists that we're working with, how much time they spent looking at the, the foot contact and the foot mobility, and that was definitely something that was completely new to myself. Uh, off the back of that, um, being a bit of a geek myself, I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about the foot itself. So with some further reading um there's a a great uh, resource tom michaud who does human locomotion who looks a lot at the the masters runner and how a lot of the masters there's a lot of strength in their feet and that's where the, the achilles tendon tends to be overloaded and we tend to see a lot of achilles tendonitis in our, our masters runner that along with a shortened stride but the foot strength is a massive uh, indicator there um within took that a week further, went on a course in Aberdeen and not a lot of the, the foot courses or the foot collective was the name of the course we went to come as far up as this, but it was uh, an open course on the Saturday and it was again just reignited um, a project that I had quite a lot of passion for is how the foot is in contact with the ground and how we can harness the strength of the ground that we've produced in our strength training program. So that kind of led us on to recent times where the, the COVID came about and clinic was shut there's still a lot of runners out there running getting some injuries and it was trying to see how best we could help people and and try and provide a service for the people that still needed a service without having to see them face to face and uh decided to run a, a course uh 15 people signed up for the first course and it went really really well and within one week we jumped on the second course which was i think 32 and then the last course signed up was uh, 34 so uh, about yeah. 80 people went through the course itself with the live classes and then a further about 115 to date books have been sold so yes nice. it's something that's really taken off a lot further than, than what i expected uh having bought the very first book myself and thought that'd be the only step. <laughs> yeah did, did you buy the book off yourself i did actually <laughs> paid full price end up paying a carrier fee so, it was <laughs> so yeah but you know, it's been like for me having you know, I followed it through April, and it's been a really the format <laughs> oh, was was well, excellent. I'm I'm the it's not really anything I've yeah. 
Oh, I think we had a bit of a lag there. Are you who's chatting now? Me or you, Tom? On you, on you go, mate. I'm just saying, you know, being someone who's not really looked into this yet, um, I'm really interested in 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 why it's you know why it's become foot strength rather than like core. I know it's core anyway, and hips and things, but why 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 look into foot strength? I'm a quite a, a simplistic man, and the best analogy I'd probably put it to is: Do you remember the Power Rangers when you were growing up? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> just before, just before snack, just before I go to school, you know, get eight AM Power Rangers on and bang into primary school. So we each had our favourite Power Ranger, and I liken each muscle group to being a Power Ranger, and and uh, work them all individually, and that's great. And everyone's got their favourite thing to work: core, glutes, hamstrings, quads. But the best Power Rangers when they were all together, and I think that that was the Megatron at the end, and I think that from my project going forward it's looking at harnessing all the muscle groups through the foot because there's no point in having a really strong core or really strong hips glutes hamstrings if you can't utilize the the ground itself and i'll throw it back to yourself kyle is have you ever ran in the slippy roads with a pair of shoes that have got no grip he definitely has whilst i'm whilst i'm drunk (laughs) or have you ever wear a pair of flip-flops or plimsolls for a marathon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know the answer to that <laughs> I think the, the joke yeah. aside is the contact with the ground so important and it's probably something that when we're looking at, at training and, and sport nowadays we're looking for how do we improve further and it's definitely something that everyone's doing glutes everyone's doing core but are they actually thinking about what's that connection to the ground and probably speak to Tom as well what did you feel like we're doing drills for glutes but we're also really trying to promote the, the big toe contact with the ground itself and was that something you felt came out with the program itself or absolutely i mean there's for me that was there's two real takeaways from the program one was how much the sort of how everything's linked and doesn't matter what exercise i'm doing i'm always thinking about my big toe and getting that grounding and really and and how and because i'm focusing on that i'm feeling that i may be i may be doing a, a drill that's really working my glutes but i'm I'm, because I'm I'm really focusing on that grounding through the foot. I can you can almost feel the linkage of it. But the second thing, I think this is almost because it's lockdown and whatnot. I'm walking around barefoot all day, and I can really and I feel as a month later, I just feel like I'm really focusing all the time on that big toe grounding. And it doesn't matter if I'm standing, stirring the pot in the in the kitchen, and I'm deciding to do you know single leg for thirty seconds, or or I'm just walking up and down the kitchen. I'm the big toes come to mind more and, it, and I, I feel, I mean, touch wood, I, f- I feel very, um, I f- you know, you, you feel that strength coming through and certainly I feel pretty off the back of it, pretty well round in terms of my understanding a lot of drills, but also where I'm weak as well. And that was an interesting thing to see how it comes up. You know, it's not, yeah, it's foot strength, but it really highlighted where my, where my weaknesses were through the month. Another little simple analogy for it is, um, you guys are both handy around about the house, so you're doing DIY yourselves. Mm-hmm. Ever try to hit a nail into a bit of wood, and the first thing you do is you wrap your whole hand around about it. If you take away your thumb and you try and hit that nail, A, you lose accuracy, and B, you lose power. So it's the same kind of analogy with the, the foot itself. If you're, if you're taking that two out of the equation, you're not getting accuracy, you're not getting power through the ground itself. And it was a podcast, uh, Zane Robertson, on the uh, mm-hmm. performance show, who spoke about, a lot of people think they need to be light through their feet, but you actually attack the ground with your foot. And unless you've got the foot strength to do that, uh, you've got to really attack and really propel yourself forward through that. So it's quite an interesting thing. A lot of my learnings come from 
everywhere. I love reading. I love finding out things about anything that I can help people with. And, and it takes you to some weird places. But Zane Robertson's podcast is, is great. And you hear him talk about running in Kenya. And you just try and mix that back to, to your own clientele. And, and the next person that comes through the door is just about as important as, as what Zane Robertson is. And we need to try and do the things that they're doing with our clients as well, if their bodies can accept the, the load through it. I'm sitting here right now, James, without being part of Unlace of Race until now, and I'm twitching my, my feet, you know, because I'm doing nothing with them, you know, and now yeah. I am, you know, I'm, I'm already doing stuff, which is another, interesting. Another thing um, we speak about is um, one of my, my colleagues, Karen, does a lot of work with, with golfers, and, and she speaks about it's the, the, it's the relationship with the ground, because the power comes from the ground up as well as the hips down, and if you put a golfer without any um, spikes on the ground, um, he could hit the ball X amount of metres. Same golfer, you're not changing any strength, but the same golfer on the ground on a wet day, he's not hitting that ball as far because he doesn't have that relationship with the ground. Mm. He's got the same muscle box, so you're yeah. not generating the same force because you're not able to, to recruit the ground. And again, we're liking it back to running because so they're running podcasts, but you're not generating the same force going up a hill if it's uh, muddy, wet, if you don't have spikes. It's just simple as, and that's why you see a lot of the different shoes nowadays have got different types of rubber on the bottom or different types of stick because they know that the importance of grip and the importance of being able to harness the strength through the ground is is, is important. Well, one, I remember a few, just on the final on the foot, I remember a few years ago when I was working with you and you were encouraging to spend time in the gym each day and just generally walking around without shoes on to really, you know, to, to encourage that, um, you know, you're, you're working your feet now i know um i know that i say i've been working at home now it's it's i'm not wearing shoes as much is there anything you you see about in terms of foot strength people who are not doing that enough who are spending you know in this modern world i mean everyone's in work shoes or running shoes and it's you know that they're not really getting into their or you see guys in gym in the gym doing strength i used to make that mistake doing all my my drills and stuff in trainers and you know off your advice i've now got them off and i'm doing my my work barefoot is there anything in that yeah um Kyle, you could probably jump in here as well but in the gym you probably see a lot of people doing their their heavier lifting with either a really, really firm shoe and um, like a weightlifting shoe or they'll just yeah. go barefooted rather than having um like a trainer on which has got the the foam which uh, makes the, the ground uneven it's the same with like if you're doing a single leg balance it's a lot easier to stand on a tarmac single leg with no shoes on it is to stand on um, a cushion mat or a, a yoga mat. Yeah. Um, if you're doing yoga practice, you'll find that if you're doing single leg drills, it's a lot easier to stand off your mat than it is to stand on your mat because the surface underneath just changes the way that foot interacts with the ground itself. And with regards to the, the sole of the foot and the hand, they're, they're quite alike. And there's a lot of nerve sensory uh, feedback comes from that. So if you've got potentially a sock and a shoe on top of that. It's like having a, a big thick glove on and you're trying to put your key at the door and try and open the door. And, and it's, it's, it's a lot harder with the gloves on than it is with the gloves off. And it's just a case of making that foot aware of the ground and really making it a, a good relationship between foot and ground. But the ground and your foot are the two things that are in contact and you still need to have the strength above that, which is the, the glutes, the hamstrings and the quads. Mm. Really One of the, the, the key tests is even anybody that's listening out there is stand on one leg with the, the eyes open how long can you stand for stand on one leg with your eyes closed how long can you stand for then do the exact same thing but put a yoga mat underneath you and you'll see as soon as you take away that relationship with the ground um, 
your performance starts to reduce. And a lot of people argue, well, if I put the trainer on, I'm all right. But this, the shoe actually gives you that, that false stability because it's been it's it's giving you the support. And on that one, I find it amazing how how different I am on different feet. Is that a balance thing, or is that is that my balance, or is that the difference in my strength on one leg and one foot to the other? Um, the the best thing is to think about is we're we're not we're made as trees, we're not made as lampposts. I think that we're always going to have imbalances, and when we look at yourself, and I don't want to speak about you directly, but um, we know there's an imbalance between one side versus the other side, and we know there's a muscle strength mm-hmm. on one side versus the other side, and we do a lot of work on on numbers to kind of back that up. It'd be interesting to see which leg was the one you were stable on versus the one that you weren't stable on. And I, I would hazard a guess and I'd put some money on it. It's probably your left hand leg that's the one that's not as good as the right hand side. So, Spot on. Yeah, that could pay for my book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a question. Sorry. Yeah. I've got a question in terms of running shoes now. You know, the last couple of years we've we've been buying you know, all these carbon plate running shoes and uh, not, not only for races, but a lot of people are wearing a carbon plate underneath them for training. Now, surely, you know, as, as a runner, and, and this is one for myself, is should we be running in a carbon shoe for training? Or should we be, you know, running in a, a shoe that provides the opportunity to, to give us more foot strength? What's the, what's, what's the consensus or, or what's, what's your sort of thoughts on that? I mean, it's a, I suppose it's a catch-22. Well, it's, 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 really, it's a really good question, and I think that, the scientists, and I would say, we still need further evidence because yeah. the carbon plates are still quite new. But some of the, the the studies that are coming out is that it changes the mechanics of the foot. Yeah. So the carbon plate is taking away the the actual extension of the big toe itself, and it moves the the momentum back to the the ankle itself, and it, it uses a rocker to bring you forward. And the rocker comes from the ankle rather than the big toe itself, so it puts a lot more stress mm. on the Achilles tendon, and we're seeing a lot more calf and Achilles issues with that kind of um, mechanism in the shoe there is further research out there and uh, we are looking at what kind of injuries do we see in the clinic and what kind of shoes and there is a relationship between the um, the carbon plate with an increase in, in foot symptoms itself and and I'm not sure if that's because it's stopping that natural transition from the lateral border across the medial border is it because it's putting the the stress onto the tarsal sooner or is it just because it's changing the the movement from the the big to windless mechanism back to the the ankle itself and put a larger strain down through the Achilles itself. And the second point of your 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 question is that it's a racing shoe and it works better at, at speed. Whereas mm-hmm. if you do a lot of your like recovery runs or slower pace runs or even tempo runs to a certain degree, you're probably not at a pace that benefits you for the shoe itself. So there is scan evidence that says for four percent improvement in performance is a higher risk for injury in itself and if you're mm. injured you're not going to be training you're not going to get the same benefits so yeah i think it's a it's a shoe that's very much a performance shoe and time in the, the shoe should be limited only to, yeah. to performance racing itself whereas you then got the people that come forward and say well you need to spend time in the shoe before you're racing it it's like it's a catch yeah. so yeah. yeah i think uh for you know personally for me i've i've been running in um the zoom zoom flies which have got a carbon plate in them and i've been doing some training in that as well because although it's a racing shoe i got it really cheap from the outlet like 40 quid so i've been using that as my pegasus, no. my pegasus turbo shoe and it feels amazing you know when i go out for easy runs it feels so good but i'm aware 
exactly what you said, James, is it's got a carbon plate in it. So is my feet, are my feet getting getting weaker? Are they getting worked as much? I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming they're not. The load's just different. The load's yeah. just different. It just puts more of a, an impact through the tarsals itself. And yeah. what we know about the, the bones, joints, muscles, tendons, everything in the body, they like to be under load, but they've all, they've all got a different capacity. And yeah. another interesting research out there by, it's like a guy called Barth, Barthol, Simon Barthol is a lead podiatrist and has done a lot of work with different Olympic teams. And each each um, structure has a vibration point. So there's a vibration point that will cause injury on different structures. And with the carbon plate, they're trying to see, well, is that vibration that comes back from that plate causing certain injuries? Or does the foam that goes along with the plate help to change the vibration so we're not getting the same injuries itself? So there's a lot of research going on there just now. So I, I know that the, the new, I'm not sure if it was in the the next percent, so it was the alphas, had different foam density, which changed the vibration aspect of the the foot in the shoe itself, which was likely to cause less injuries itself. So yeah. it's, it's quite it's quite good because they're doing research. They're looking into these things. And, yeah. and I think it's quite nice that they're actually addressing injury prevention as well as performance in a lot yeah. of these Unfortunately. For me, anyway, that personally from what I'm what I'm hearing and, and seeing from what you're you you are doing James is get strong feet folks, you know. You know, if you guys have got strong feet, whatever you wear, it's gonna regardless if you've got a carbon plate in your feet or you haven't, you're gonna get quicker. Because you've One got of the strong biggest feet. Predictors in falls risk in over seventies is is foot strength and yeah. we do yeah. a drill called Eddie the Eagle and uh, it's a forward lean and it's a direct <laughs> relationship with I know the well now. The angle at the ankle, uh, the, the smaller your angle, the less likely is of, of risk of fall. So if you're able to, to lean all the way forward, you've got less likely of falls risk. So therefore, um, with falls in the elderly, especially there's a high um, mortality risk as well. It comes with that. So it's one of these things that if you can keep your foot strength good, it's, again, could save your life. So on, on the um, on Unlaced the Brace, two questions I've got is, firstly, what have you learned from, from doing this now for a month? Um, and secondly, for, for listeners who, who either have followed it or interested to get the ebook, what, what do they, how do they take that forward? So they spend a month following, following, learning drills, learning more about the foot, learning more about their weaknesses. How do they take that and use it in their, in their day to day, week to week through the, through their the, learning training? The simple message is that it's, it's, in, it increases your mindfulness of the foot. It, it, it increases the relationship of actually being aware of what is my foot actually doing and the second part is, can I improve my performance by being stronger through the foot itself? And can I harness the strength through the ground better than what I'm doing just now? And I think that the, the beauty of Unlace the Brace being at this time is nobody's training for anything. So they've got a mm-hmm. chance to address areas of weakness, areas of development. The fear would be is that once everything goes back to normal, we just go back to training again and we forget all about it. So hopefully mm-hmm. it's... Our biggest jobs as physiotherapists is to inform and then implement. So if we can inform people about the foot and then show them how to implement it into their, their training diary. Um, the book itself has got links to all the exercises. So even long after the 30 days is finished, you'll have a link to a YouTube channel, which has got all the drills. Oh, nice. There's a great question as well from um, one of the people in the course is, 
do I have to do the 30 days again after I finish the 30 days? And absolutely not. Just implement the bits and pieces that you've learnt or you feel that you struggle with into your normal S&C plan. And I think that that's where the second month's quite good at taking where you feel your areas for development are and then working on them a little bit further. Okay. The biggest thing I've learned from it all is that there's a, a wealth of, of knowledge out there. And, and in the class itself, it was from Commonwealth people to Scottish champions to European champions to a whole wide variety of people, but also recreational runners who have just finished Couch to 5K. There's people just doing walking. And, and the amount of feedback from the questions, and the questions were really good, it is that there's a there's a need for further knowledge and further education about what the foot can do. And I feel with the programme, it can really help people just be a bit more mindful of their, their foot itself. Mm. Do you think that there's more, that you know, locked, post-lockdown, post-COVID learnings, that there's more virtual-type classes to come? Because I have to admit, I found, I mean, you're, the way you conduct it is excellent. It's start, we go, we finish, we're done. And it's 20 minutes and, and it's to the clock. Do you think that's something we might see more of staying in the post this time? Yeah, um, in a past life before physio, I was a, a gym instructor and, and uh, I probably haven't taught any classes since I became a physiotherapist, so we're talking about 14 years. So <laughs> short of getting I'd love, the, to, I'd love to have James in, the, in a Zumba class. <laughs> Fantastic. Not, I can only dance my fingers, so my feet are still. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that what we've we've found is a clinic, and uh, obviously I work at, at Spear, and we've we've took all our classes online, and there's a huge demand for online learning. Um, a lot of the clients that were were in the class were from America, from uh, offshore Qatar, Dubai. So you're looking at all over the world, and and the, the beauty of the class is that it was on catch up as well, so you didn't have to attend 30 days in a row. You could have a long lie, you could miss a couple of days, then catch up when, when felt best for you. And I think that putting the control back to people is really, really important. And I think that it's being able to control what you can control, but also you can be in control of what you do when you do it. And I think that that's a, the beauty of the, the 20 minutes that you can do it whenever you want to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. The virtual classes, I think I think there is a demand. Um, we are very much a hands-on uh, clinic, so we'll always do our best work when we're in the clinic itself. But again, if it's something that, that people feel the benefit from, then it's definitely something we'll look into to try to promote. And also, how do we develop that further with, I mean, the guys down at the Aberdeen Sports Village in Newcastle are doing the, the IIP class, and it's how do we kind of potentially link that, or how do we kind of mm. make a, a good resource for runners, not just in Aberdeen, but also potentially globally if, if yeah. we're in demand. And, one of the good things about the ebook is you see where people download it from in um, Hong Kong, nice America, Canada, awesome. Europe. It's 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 yeah. great. And I don't know why. I don't know how it's it's got to that that far from places. But we just explained it. You know, I've never really. You know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've been a runner for too many years, and not really anything's come about with feet, feet strength and that side of things. And you know, I worked in run for it as well, and you know we chatted about pronation over pronation. That's a, another kettle of fish, but it's something very new to me, and I'm quite excited by uh, by trying something new out as well. And it's a perfect opportunity to maximise on it as well. So. You need to start doing some toe yoga, Kyle. That's been the, oh, that's been the, the morning for the last thirty days. My, uh, this is my this is my sub two twenty right here. You know, absolutely. <laughs> so, I'll tell you. Uh, 
So James, how would a list so listeners of so listeners heard this, they think, right, I want to get more involved. This is this sounds like it's up my street. How would they get involved in that unlaced the brace or, or the ebook? Where could they get hold of it? So uh, the best place to get a hold of the, the ebook is through my Instagram channel, which is at Physio Run and uh, the links in the bio. Um but also I've got James Creechank Physio Run um on Facebook and post a lot of the videos up there and there's links to, to different things to try as well. And, it's quite good because people interact and we like just discussing these things. And if there's any questions on it, please either post to the guys here or, or get in contact with me directly through Instagram um, or through the Facebook itself. And I love people challenging and, and being willingness to learn about this area as well. Because like, like Kyle said, there's not a huge um, area looking at feet. And I think it's definitely an area that we can, we can uh, help a lot of people with. And in a world where we're always looking for the, the next one percent or the next performance <laughs> enhancement, then it's probably one of the biggest things we can we can help with uh, with injecting you or something. You know, I found a pleasure. I mean, the unlace the brace. One of the biggest pleasures of it was I'm I'm someone who's fed up of seeing you when things are bad, and it was really nice to do a proactive session. You know, something proactive for once. Because too, I must I mean, you must be always seeing people when they're it's an absolute. This is the disaster. This is the end of the world. You know everything's ruined because I can't run my marathon and it was it's for me it was it was good to actually do something I felt like I was doing something proactive you know and that, I think that's something a message I would certainly pass to other runners is don't don't I think wait that, until it's yeah, too late that's a really good point it's it's something you can you can do just now to to help yourself and I've got a strong mentality that why be good when you can be great and there's no point in nice. just doing the exact same thing when you can actually improve yourself in this time and and I do a lot of work with athletes as well. And, and that's one of the things I always challenge them is to how do you improve your sport IQ? How can you make yourself better at what you do? And you've got to know about your sport. You've got to know about your body. You've got to know about well, what makes a fast body. Who were the fastest runners? How did they run? How, what did they do for their strength? What can I do? What can I do better? How can I improve on what I am just now? And like your own IQ itself, it can always be more. So you can always keep challenging yourself to improve your own sport IQ. And in regards of what sport you do, you can always learn more about your trade or your sport. And we always challenge ourselves as physio to, to improve ourselves as physios. And we're always looking to improve our physio IQ by learning and researching and, and developing what we're doing. One of the things off the, the book sales is that I'm looking to put a lot of that back into my own CPD. So I'm um, looking at a lot more courses, looking at a lot more books that I can read to, to help develop the, the runners in Aberdeen, Grampian, wherever the runners come from. And, I think it's always looking to, to learn more and, and always look for the, the next thing that's going to help people improve. I love it. Well, James, before we let you go, and we're absolutely delighted we could sit here and chat with you all night, but you're obviously a busy man. We're going to throw some fart-like questions at you. Yeah. James, you're like, you're like my new bedtime story. <laughs> you know, like, see that, that e-book, you know, just going to have you in the background. And just, you know, just all say, you that's your big toe, Dad. I'll be lying in bed. Debbie will be kicking <laughs> off. I'll be I mean, kicking what, off. You know, it's golden. Man. You've given us, not only have you given us the, the, the we've got the ebook for Calvary, you've also rejuvenated the stock of quotes. I mean, we're made, we're made, we're made as trees, not lampposts. You know, why be good <laughs> you, when you can be great? I mean, this is all golden. Absolutely oh, golden. That's, that's, do, that's do you know, James is like, if you ever want quotes, Follow James on Instagram. He is physical. Yes. He'll give you the golden quotes that you need for your run. If you don't want to get out that out that door for a session, 
All right, he's just an easy run. You feel a little bit low. Get to physio run. He'll give There's you your motivation. When, the, when the, I was speaking to Fraser earlier on about about um, what we're doing in the clinic for throughout um, COVID in the last six weeks, and he asked, how has it changed? And I think that one of the take-home messages is reassurance is our best tool, and that's what we're going to hopefully try and use with not just the unlace the brace, it's the reassurance that this is something that will help you. It's the reassurance that when you do get little niggles that we're there to help you as well. So it's another quote for you is the reassurance is a physio's best tool. So if you're ever feeling down or low, get some reassurance and we can help you out. Yeah. Nice. This is better than the Clone Wars. I mean, today's Clone Wars was <laughs> the best build, the best conference builders experience, which I, I thought was golden. But I mean, this is, this is even better. Right. So Carl, are we going to alternate these, um, Fartlet yeah, questions. these fartlet questions. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I'll, you want to lead off? Okay. James, are you ready? Yeah. Cross country, road, hills, or track? Hills. Pre-race meal. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm terrible for uh, pizza, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. I don't probably eat anything in the morning of a race. Don't know why. Oh, bad for, Yeah, bad for that. Miles or kilometers? I'm KMs, yeah, kilometers. Oh, metric man. Favorite movie? Oh, um, Bad Boys 1, Bad Boys 2, and then Bad oh, Boys right. 3. <laughs> What's your favorite race? Favorite race, Lara Grew. Nice. nice. Also, there's uh, Ben Rannick. No, uh, Ben Rannick. What's the one down? It was an ultra. I did it this year. Ben Vorlich, sorry. Ben, ben Vorlich, yeah. Oh, I nice. did that as an ultra this this year, and I did half, and uh, Pete McIntosh did the second half, and it was a race where you could run as a team, you could pitch up at any time and just start, and literally turned oh, up. Nice. Everyone else had gone, and we literally started. I started my leg, he started his leg, and when I stopped my watch, well, I did my times together, and we're both done. Two hours oh, nice. of an ultra. Oh, that's so, cool. We actually won it because we were the only ultra team there. So. Yes. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think I remember and that. Actually. And I think it was cancelled this year, so I think we're raining champions. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Right. Rest day or recovery run? Um, rest day, unfortunately. Yeah. Rest day or a swift. <laughs> Morning shuffle or evening saunter? Evening saunter. Running hero? Oofed. Oh... Apart from yourselves, uh, <laughs> good answer. I would have to say Kipchoge. Nice. Just, uh, pushing pushing the boundaries. I think uh, what he's doing is is fantastic. And I know uh, my nephew Jordan just did a little uh, review on the breaking two. And when I saw how how excited he was about writing about Kipchoge, I think he is inspiring younger generation. I think I like people that inspire people and. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll remain a, a positive role model. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed, yeah. What's your, more importantly, what's your favourite beer? What's my favourite beer? See, I'm a gin and tonic man. Oh, child. <laughs> get a, off, get off this, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably say, um, just going back from Bali, Bintang. I had a, oh, um, nice. I've got a big... Off the Bintang, so. Oh, I've got a Bintang uh, vest as well. I should have worn oh. it tonight if I knew uh, your favourite of that. <laughs> Bintang, yeah. Red Stripe. They, yeah. they could talk, they tell stories then too. Oh, the dynamite beers. Blame me. Um, favourite distance? Uh, favourite distance would be marathon. I like the marathon distance. Nice. I feel like um, after Loch Ness, I put a wee bit of a, 
a ghost to rest after London. So I was quite mm. chuffed with going. That was a hell run you had yeah. So yeah, and I think that people talk about the marathon distance. I think it's a, a distance you've got to earn the right to do well and you've got to learn from failings and you've got to learn from being close. So you've got to learn from not making to the start line and you put it all together and then when it does go right, it's just such a great feeling. And and I can't thank Ginny who helped us get across line in 314 in Loch Ness. And yeah, so more, more to come, mate. And I'm going to go back to Star Wars. The best confidence builder is experience. That's the, I mean, that's where we get our quotes in here. I've Jesus. never seen Star Wars. Wait, I don't get the quotes from Star Wars. Tom does. Well, yeah. never seen any Star Wars. Oh, get <laughs> off. Is that on the spot? Oh, right. Get this guy off. I'm fed up with this. Hey, James knows his running books. That's, that's, that's one thing. He knows his literature. Um, now, James, you set up this, uh, I think it was this sort of on our running book swap thing um, yeah. a few months back. And uh, is, it, is it from, you can get them and run for it. Is that right? So uh, it just came as an idea doing like a, a Facebook group and it's still going. Um, What's it called again? The, run, the Running Book Club. Ah, simple. <laughs> if you search for it, if you, if you, exactly. listeners, if you want to know, just give us a shout. Type, we'll find type it. in The Running Book Club. It should come up. Yeah. It's an open group. Anyone can join. And it's literally lots and lots of different reviews of different people who've read books, post a picture of the book, and they, they tell them about the story behind the book. And there's also people in Aberdeen were popping the books into uh, Lucy helped us out at the uh, run for it, where we could put the books in a little shelf there. So if you take a book in, you could take another book away with you. And there's there's a few books in there just now. So once we get back to a little bit of normality and we're nice. able to do that again, then there's some great books in there. And I mean, one thing, if you knew me growing up, and you saw me with a book, you knew something was wrong because I never read at all until <laughs> I got to a topic wow. I was really interested in, and, and now I can't stop. So off the back of the, the ebook, I bought a book called Roar, uh, Stacey Sims, which is all about the female athlete okay. and about how females are not small men and they shouldn't be trained or they shouldn't um, like use their nutrition that way. So it's something that with some of the female athletes, we're doing a little bit of work around about just now, and it's phenomenal the changes that she was seeing with hormone levels different parts of cycle and it's just it's just again performance enhancing it's just looking at how can we change the training to to really fit with the female body and it's 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 great learning from myself so yeah there's some like i never used to read and now i'm reading about the female athletes so yeah it's all nice. good, the right direction so we've got great. as a as a, sn- a cheeky preview we've actually got jess Piaseki coming on a couple of weeks time and she's who hosts oh, the female athlete podcast and she tells some interesting stories about what they've, um, what they're looking at in terms of female physiology and, and yeah. even on, even on uh, shoe design, you know, that sort of thing. It's really interesting. So, um, yeah, I mean, stay tuned the, for that. the biggest thing is like one of the, the things I took out of the book and I'm, I'm no expert. I've only read a certain amount of it is, is the recovery period after, um, a female's done their training versus the male, the, the recovery for, for getting the protein back in is something like three hours, whereas the male it's 21 hours. So, Really, lot of things like that 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 can make a, a huge difference in in performance, and and don't quote me directly on that, but that's kind of just like the difference between a, a male and a female, and is just is just so different. And mm-hmm. when you start to look at heat acclimation and 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 altitude acclimation, the male change is completely different to the female. And and, and I spoke to one of the the girls I work with out in America about how she would struggled with the heat in America just the first really hot day. And, when we spoke through it, she was like, well, I had to go back inside, but my partner was able to stay out and he's adapting better than me. And when you look at the actual physiology behind it, 
there, there's there's actual evidence to to why that happens. So it's it's, mm. it's definitely as a as a physio, it's definitely something extra to having having the locker itself, and it's it's an interesting topic. But yeah, the running club book's really good, and it's on online, mm-hmm. <laughs> Facebook, and also in the run for it. I've got a review coming your way. It should be finishing in a week's time. We're going to the, the history of the London Marathon is coming in. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you post that the the gentleman sadly passed? Yeah, John Bryant. He did. He was apparently a, he was a, a big friend of Hugh Brasher. He was the race director for uh, and founder, and he's he supported the race heavily, promoted it in through journalism over the years, and he's a, he also wrote a book about the Banister Sub Four Minute Mile. But I know he died over the weekend, which was quite quite John sad. Bryant. Absolute legend. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, get into the question I was going to ask. So, what's your favourite running book, James? Goofed. Um, it varies. Um, how bad do you want it from a psychological point of view? And I I'm think at Fitzgerald. Be, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. just talked about that earlier. Yeah, I'm, I'm halfway I mean, through at the moment. Really? Yeah, wow. over the line. And I think there's a chapter in it called Sweet Disgust. And uh, off the back of London, I was so annoyed with what I did in... I'd set myself up in London to go under three thirty, and I remember the first time I was on the podcast. Tom says, "I'm ah, just on a three thirty runner." I was like, oh, "That's right." Three thirty fifty nine, I think it was. And yeah. then when London came round, I was like, "This is the time to go under it." And all my training had been spot on; I couldn't have done anything different. And I went three thirty five, and it was the the thought of that mixed with just this disgust of not being able to go under three thirty, and that fueled my training. And I wanted to go Edinburgh in two weeks' time after, or three weeks' time after it. But Ginny was like, no, it's probably not the best idea. So we settled down to go Loch Ness, which was going to be the, the autumn. And we did the same, if not less tempo work, but more focused work. And the disgust of London was always in the back of my head. And when I was going around, I knew what was going to happen at mile 22, mile 23. And I knew that my, my pace was good. And I knew how much it hurt London, that it wasn't wanting to have the same thing again. And, 16 minutes off, yeah, so it was good. So, yeah, that book's probably one of the best on Matt. Matt nice. And also uh, another one, which is quite a nice read, is um, Running with the Kenyans and also mm. uh, The Rise of the Alt Runners. Nice, easy books to read. and Ardent Finn, um, yeah. Yeah, they're good. And also at Loch Ness this year, the author was there of Run Up That Hill. Um, his name actually leaves me just now. He's the presenter on Radio 2 with... Um, Chris Evans. Oh, is it uh, Val Silios or something? Yes, yeah, Vassilos. Yeah. But he was there. That was the best. That was almost the highlight of my weekend. Other than the PB was to get his autograph and get a picture taken with him. Nice. Yes, yeah, so it was a great, great moment. So all these running books are great because they give you some information and give you just a little bit of motivation. You know, this is definitely not five k fart. Like this is like long lactate <laughs> threshold fart like efforts on this. This is a marathon, so I've got to drive. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're almost there. Post race treat. Ooh, probably a gin and tonic. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> gin and sparkling water. It's gin and sparkling water. It sounds even less. Uh, sparkling uh, water. That's a new one. Yeah. Well, so like flavored sparkling water. Just... Over. Nice. Okay. So you're, hydrate, you're hydrating at the same time as you're dehydrating. So you're in equilibrium. Oh. No, I, I find that sparkling water just tastes a bit better than the um, the tonic itself. But hey, mm. again, drag that question out. Got to be short and short. There's no, if there's no hangover, I'm, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Squeeze a lime, bit of apple juice, sparkling water, gin, boom. Boom. There you go, listeners. Get that down there later. Uh, favourite shoe? Oh, my favourite shoe. Um, yeah, it's a good one. I really like my, my Pegasus Trail. 
it nice. was a shoe that it's it's not fancy it's not anything other than it just does its job and it's probably it doesn't do its job that well but i just like the way it feels on my feet when i'm running mm. trails and my mother running shoe i really like is the the turbo uh Pegasus oh. turbo. I, I went off the turbo too just because i got an injury off the back but the turbo itself is my go-to shoe for my, my long um easy miles so yeah it's it's fantastic actually i really enjoy it so i'm with you there and i discovered over the weekend sadly the turbo's been discontinued Oh, really? Yeah. Some nonsense next percent tempo or something. Yeah, ah. Rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah. Metro or Rebel PT? Ah, Metro. Nice. I've not been at Rebel for a while, but the guys do a fantastic job and mm. a lot of good runners have came out of that. Um, Absolutely. Um, so Richard Horn from Metro, Scott yeah. and yeah, there's a few few good people came from, from Metro. I think it's good. Grassroots. Yeah. What's your worst race experience? Worst race experience? Oh. Yeah. Um, I'd probably be London. I, I struggled with London with the noise. I don't know if it was just ah, physically I felt in the best form I've ever been in, even better than probably Loch Ness going into it. But mentally, I don't think I could, I could handle the noise and it just fatigued me more. And, by the end of it, I was just absolutely knackered. I could I could walk up and downstairs, which you know that you shouldn't be able to do after a marathon. But uh-huh. yeah. I was just absolutely knackered, and uh-huh. I don't know if it was just the noise and the simulation of all the signs and That's interesting. I was working in kilometers and the signs are in miles and, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm calculating yeah. My, my GPS was off and yeah, <laughs> yeah. these things. I think mentally, um, I wasn't quite prepared for it, and off the back of that, the Delara grew after that and prepared with music and had music for when it got hard and. And what a different experience just being prepared. And I think that the only way to be prepared is by failing in the first place. And don't be afraid mm-hmm. to fail. Failing's only if you, you don't learn from it. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. like it. Favourite place to run? Um, my work's taken me to some great places. And I think that Siberia was, was fantastic this year because it was, it was minus high numbers but it was really clear Bloody and uh, i've got this pair of asics shoes i've got the little metal spikes in the bottom and you could just run and it was great and it, the, the scenery was just beautiful but at the same time um went for a few runs in arizona which is the complete opposite end of the scale and i just didn't enjoy the heat so favorite place to run would have to be siberia and i don't know if a lot of people could say that is their, their favorite place to run so yeah that that's, that's definitely a new answer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think so uh, if you were to do one race, James, what would it be? I don't know if I'd... I don't know which race I'd do. I'd, I'd probably quite like to do New York Marathon again. It was my first marathon. Mm. And I did it justice and I don't think I... I wasn't prepared and, and I didn't take it all in. And I think I'd, I'd like to do that one again. But obviously, I'd want to do Boston because you've got to, to earn that qualifying time. Nice. I think that... In order to, to get round that track, you've got to have earned it. And I'd like to stand in that start line knowing that I'd actually put in a shift to get there. So, yeah. That's cool. Boston for um, the achievement, but New York just for the experience. We probably my answer there. Nice. Class. Well, I think that's uh, that was uh, the longest fartlek session. So <laughs> anyone who's listening, I hope you did a fartlek while uh, <laughs> you, were, you were listening to that. So every okay. time James gives you the answer, you've got to run hard. And then oh, every like time that. we speak, your recovery. Uh, well, we'll put it in at the start so that folk can yeah. hear that and then go. That'll, <laughs> that'll be a nice session for them. <laughs> there you go. Definitely. Well, and think about your big toe when you're running. 
Oh, don't you worry. I'm already playing about with it right now. <laughs> Under the desk, eh? Um, yeah. Well, th- mate, thank you so much for coming on. It's really, it's great to catch up. It's really, I think it's really, really interesting for us to listeners to to sort of um, to hear that a chat about the the foot strength and uh, you know, I urge our listeners to to look at um, unlace the brace. It's certainly something I've got a lot out of, and I'm really I'm sitting at the moment going through the ebook, building a kind of um, a plan for what I'm going to do two three times a week based on my experiences from it. So I would really urge um, urge listeners to do that. So thank you for that, and thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for, for supporting it and also 103 episodes and after the first one I wasn't sure you'd ever get this far but <laughs> a fantastic job and, and just let you guys know that the runners out there, well myself speaking, I really appreciate having you guys meet here sometimes when I'm out from a long run so keep up the good work and uh, I really appreciate all the, the stuff you do for running. Lovely. Thank you very much. Cheers guys. Yeah, thanks buddy, right, we'll catch you Cheers, soon. Buddy. Cheers. Do I just leave now, yeah? Just, yeah, bugger off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> catch you later on. Yeah. Awesome. That was great. Good to have wow, you on the uh, brace chat. I didn't think it'd be, uh, well, firstly, so long, but I mean, there's a reason it's so long is because it was really interesting. And James is such a, um, you know, such a oh, intelligent such a, guy, such, such a passionate guy. man. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I, I really enjoyed that. So thanks I mean, very much again for coming. I know on a show. lot of very, very good athletes who, who put their, um, put their faith in James and you know I certainly uh, I know I do and you do and yeah very informed delighted to have him on so Kyle I think we're um, this is going to be a bit of an episode so we're going to throw in now we've got um, before we wrap up we'll give the listeners the we've got Steph Davis on this week as well so um, yeah I'm just going to throw it straight in Steph is a is a a marathon who's come on the scene uh, really nice couple of years you'll hear her talk about her story she was lined up ready to go um the world half champs we'll talk about that um you know really top class marathoner from from scotland so we're delighted to have steph on the show so here you go steph davis today on trs we are joined by one of scotland and britain's top marathoners so steph welcome to the show hi thanks for having me so you've uh, you've really sprung into prominence in the last couple of years as you know one of the top marathoners in, in britain um, and that was all, you know, when you ran that fantastic 232 in London to start it all off. Um, you've backed it up since with bigger times, British call-ups. Um, I mean, I guess the, the question for a lot of listeners is, um, where have you come from? <laughs> yeah, this question props up quite a lot. Um, I've always been, like, I guess, on the running scene to some extent, just kind of in and out. I did it... Um, when I was at school, I ran, um, I joined a new school, um, the start of senior school, and really got into running then. So it was part of like, the school cross-country team, did a bit of athletics, um, and joined Victoria Park Running Club in Glasgow, um, where I went along once a week to kind of run and did the odd events. But I never back then really had any like burning desire to like take it to that next level or never had really any structure in my training. It was all just kind of fun and like based around what my friends were doing, really. Um, and I did amongst the sports and among, like, around that running. So I did hockey and tennis. My parents were quite good at taking us along to kind of a variety of sports. And then when I went to university, I was deciding whether or not, whether to choose uh, running or hockey as my main sport while at uni. And I decided to go for the, the running in the end. Um, I was working in a bar while I was also studying. So the running had a bit more flexibility than the hockey. So that's the main reason why I chose it. Um, and I absolutely loved training with the Edinburgh University team. 
Um, but again, it was just like another way to make new friends at uni. Um, obviously, the social scene was great at the club <laughs> as well, as you know, because you're a part of it too. Um, so yeah, no, like we did loads of trips and I was really kind of, I guess, quite competitive then towards the last kind of my third and fourth year of uni. I got my full blues on my fourth year nice. for cross-country performances. So yeah, like I had a good time of it at uni. And then when I moved to London after uni, I actually just kind of not stopped running. I was still running, but just to keep fit in amongst like gym classes and spin and the weights and stuff like that. But um, it wasn't until like the last two and a half years ago or two years ago before Berlin Marathon in 2018 that um, I decided to do a marathon only because lots of friends and my boyfriend was entering into the ballot. So I was like, why not? I'll give it a go too. And then just so happened to be at the same time, um, I was approached by my coach that I'm with now. He'd seen me running with the club that I'm a member of and kind of wanted to see what my goals were. And as I told him I was doing Berlin, he was quite keen to coach me through that. And then it just kind of, it kind of went from there. So yeah, ever since, like it's just got more and more, I guess, um, like more routine in my, my training. Mm -hmm. It's become more like now it's all, what I do is my life so yeah it's just been a gradual build but condensed into two and a half years <laughs> and so you and you mentioned so you went you mentioned um club in London so you and you run for Clapham Chasers right yeah and did you join them when you went down to London after uni or was that kind of or was that no. a loose affiliation and not initially so I was in London for about two years before I joined the club and that was through um a colleague at my work in the firm I was with a couple of years ago, um, he was going down to the club and he just recommended that I join because he knew that I did a bit of running and we did a, a kind of work race together um, called the JP Morgan Corporate Challenge. So he invited me along and then to begin with, I was just kind of more of a seasonal runner. I'd go in the summer and then not so much in the winter. Um, so that's how I joined the Classroom Chasers. So, and I'm very much like still part of that club. They're, they're great. Okay. And when you, and you, it's interesting you say that, that Berlin, so Berlin kick-started that, um, what is now, I guess, uh, a main interest at marathons, because I did wonder how you, how you got into marathons. Um, I mean, you say some friends, your boyfriend were doing it. That was, that was literally it. It wasn't a, a yeah, like, it for wasn't, a time. No, like it wasn't even that those people in my club said they were doing it. It's just, there's three of us, including myself, that were like, we'll just put into the balance, see what happens. And then we all ended up getting a spot which is quite rare, especially when it comes to the ballot. And then actually in the end, I was the only one that run of it, ran it because my boyfriend got injured and his mate who had also entered was doing an Ironman. So um, <laughs> I kind of did it for the three of us, I guess. <laughs> nice. And a hell of a result. I mean, uh, so I see 241. Was that a surprise? Because that's, a, I mean, that is even, it's nowhere near where you are now, but even, you know, just, you know, for a, a club woman, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, I guess my coach had kind of told me what he thought I could do, and I was like, "Absolutely no way! I don't, I don't think I can get in the two forties." Um, so I went off like a bit more reserved. Um, was running with someone from my club actually for the first half, and we were probably doing well. I actually, my splits are quite consistent, so we we're doing about two forty-two pace, and I was just kind of like taking each kilometer as it came and trying not to worry or about the later stages of the race and thinking that I'm because that's always a kind of fear of mine that I was going to blow up and 
I didn't and managed to, I don't know, yeah, that time was, was definitely my ego. <laughs> I didn't nice. really expect to get that. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a run, I guess. I mean, I mentioned, you know, London is really announcing you on that marathon stage. But yeah, so that's, that's September 18. And then we've got, then you fast forward just to the following April um, 232 in London. I mean, um, it's uh, 232 in London. That's, I mean, talk us through the, the move from 241 Berlin to 232 London. So I guess then after we did Berlin, my coach had kind of revealed what his, his, his plan kind of would be ideally for me and what potentially he, think he thought I could reach. And then my training did kind of step up a little bit in the terms of the structure. Um, there was definitely more routine and just the intensity of the sessions I was doing stepped up. I didn't change much between my weekly mileage because after Berlin, I actually had a hip injury. Mm. So from that, we then were like, after I got back after the hip injury, it was then much of a focus on quality rather than quantity because I think for Berlin, that worked for me. Um, so we did that again with London. But what we did was we changed the kind of intensity of the sessions we were doing and brought up the quality of them. Um, that was the main change we did for London. And actually that's what we did going through to Valencia as well. My mileage, I think maybe creeped up very slightly, but, but not by much. And I mean, we'll come back to the actual race in a minute, but that's interesting you talk about Valencia as well. It's just, it's an amazing progression, you know. We you know that Berlin two forty one, London two thirty two, Valencia two twenty seven. I mean, obviously we the training maybe we'll come to training, but mentally, how do you how do you approach taking such big chunks off? I mean, is that at the start of each cycle? Are you thinking right? I'm shooting now. I'm looking to find that next ten minutes, that next five minutes, or is it? Does do you find it comes through the cycle? I think it comes through the cycle of, obviously for Valencia, we had that Olympic qualifying time kind of like hanging over us. Um, so that was a kind of a goal put in place because it was an Olympic year coming up. Um, for London, my goal was really just to beat my Berlin time. I didn't <laughs> expect to, to kind of beat it by nine minutes, but we went off at... Uh, I can't remember exactly what pace we went off, but it was a quite a reserve pace. And then I think my second half, I basically got faster every 5K in my London marathon, whereas in Berlin, I kind of more even splitted between the two halves. So I think what I did in London was I just listened to my body kind of each 5K. I had my markers written down of the times I ideally wanted to kind of hit for, I think it was around like 2.36 pace because that's what we've been training at. Mm -hmm. And then when it came to like the last... 10 miles or 12k whatever it was it was really just like right just give it our all now um and that just really worked and gave me a big negative split in the end um and then for valencia because of the olympic qualifying time they had put on a, a pacer so i was just my plan was just to stick with that pacer uh. until they dropped out um now that pacer actually went too quick so we ended up crossing halfway about 50 seconds quicker than we should have done. But obviously we knew that we all have watches. So mm -hmm. we knew that from 5k in. So um, for me, after we got to halfway in Valencia, it was just a case of 
hanging on. I was quite worried then because I was like, this was quicker than I really set out to do. And I wasn't even sure that I was in the shape to get that 229.30. Um, just based on some niggles I'd had that taking me out training and then the two weeks before Valencia I just came down with a horrible cold and even though I hadn't really maybe had as much time out as I thought I had you just have these kind of worries in your head and you don't mm -hmm. really know exactly how it's all going to go in the day if it's all going to fall into place I mean but it did mm -hmm. um, so yeah I think I've just learned more from each marathon I've done on the pacing and just more about my own body and and the different feelings I have when I'm running these marathons as to how far I can push it. Do you feel any more pressure now that you're running, that you are, I mean, I guess the 241, it sounds like that was one you went in and not on a whim, I'd say, but much more, you know, open to, and I guess with every one you get, you move to, there must, you, you find there's more pressure on that? Um, yeah, because I guess people will, will be looking, thinking, well, you've had all these big, these big jumps between all your marathons what will the next one be but I'm, I don't try and let other people's um, views or predictions kind of get in the way because I just have to recognize what I've done in training be realistic with myself um, and try and not let that pressure build because I think that will then affect me on the day. Mm -hmm. And what about, I mean, obviously the, I mean, again, we will come back to the training stuff, but, you know, big half, great run in the big half this year. You know, that was a really impressive and absolutely amazing, um, you know, to see the, uh, to see the, the selection for the, um, the, the world half champs. That must've been, I mean, obviously COVID is, is canceling everything and we'll come to London yeah. as well, but that must be gutting. I mean, we were, I was, we were, I mean, I say we, my, my wife's, a, um, Run, she was delighted to hear you got selected and yeah, gutted for you. That's that's really bad luck. Yeah, it was. And the day that all my TV kit arrived, I was like trying it on. And I had suspicions it was going to be cancelled because by that point, some events were starting to be. Um, and my GB kit literally just arrived and I was like parading around the flat. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I got the email through and I was like, oh, better take this off. Um, do you know what? It is gutting. But I feel so fortunate that I was able to run in the big half. I feel that was one of the last races to really go yeah. ahead before all this happened. So I'm really glad that I got to go out on a high um, and get big PB, get that qualification for my first GB vest. Um, and now I just need to, we can't change what's happening now. So you've just got to take it in our stride and focus on the positives and what we can. And had it, had it gone ahead, London... I mean, we, I, I was so excited to watch London. The women's race, my British women's race was going to be insane. And you were very mm -hmm. much part of that. We were here in TRS, very much rooting that you were, you were going to make that uh, Tokyo team. How, how would you, maybe it will come in again, but how, how were you planning to approach that? I guess London last year, you were off the mass start, I understand. Yeah. So yeah. this year, that, must be, that would be a totally different um, experience for you to look at it from the elite women's start. Yeah, because obviously the last... Um three marathons have done have all been mixed fields with thousands of people around um, so it would have been very different this time lining up with like 30 women um, I don't know I feel because I've had a bit more practice now with the marathon I mean if that had been like my second marathon I definitely would have been a lot more nervous but I think I've now had a bit of practice on running on my own in some races like the big half at mm -hmm. Oxford half last year 
So I feel like I've taken them and remember that I, ca I can't do it. So it shouldn't really be any different when I line up, hopefully in October or whenever it will be, yeah. for the London Marathon um, with the girls. Um, and whatever happens, it's just it will be an amazing experience. And I just feel so grateful to be lining up with them all um, and taking part. So, yeah, I'll just give them my all and, again, like trust my body when I'm running, listen to the feels and see what happens from there. But, yeah, it'll be a very, very different race. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if hope, hopefully it happens in October. And if it does, that'll be another reason for it to be even more special. I mean, you're fortunate you've got a qualifying time for the Olympics. You, you're not so, I guess, the, the window not opening till December doesn't really affect you too much. Um, you know, if yeah. you, you know, we had Derek Hawkins on last week, who was, he's obviously needs to run a time. So for him, London is maybe not that interesting now in October. Yeah, I just don't know what they'll do because, I mean, that was Berlin cancelled yesterday and that mm -hmm. was made to happen the week before London in October. Yeah. So who even knows if, if London will, will go ahead then? Yeah. Um, it's just really hard to plan at the moment and kind of visualise where you think you're going to be for the rest of this year. I think that's what I'm finding mm -hmm. most difficult. Um, I, yeah, I guess it is reassuring that I've got the Olympic qualifying time already, but who even knows if that will still count? If it was last year, I don't know. We just don't know. And so, how do you, how do you and your coach approach this period of, of uh, you know, at least five, six months of, of no racing, and even then, um, you know, we don't know. I mean, how, how are you approaching kind of the, this block and, and on a week on week basis? So, taking a step back from full marathon training, um, my mileage has gone down, but because my mileage is never really that high, it's not actually really gone down probably that much um but this the the quality of the session not the quality of the sessions the duration of the sessions have gone down so instead of maybe doing like uh 20 or 25 by 400 i'll maybe only do like 12 so we've kind of mm -hmm. half the sessions that that we usually do um because we don't want to be in a position where we're just tiring ourselves out and peaking for nothing so it's more a case of just kind of ticking over the training at the moment. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a turbo trainer set up here, which I've mm. never used before. So that's really helping because um, I do a lot on the on the elliptical trainer usually. So that's kind of really good for replacing mm. that. And then we get our one run a day, which I'm still able to do. Um, so it's just a case of we're just ticking over at the moment and kind of building that aerobic base. Um, and kind of taking each kind of couple of weeks as, as it comes. I've got my plan for like the next few weeks and then we'll revisit. Um, I imagine there might be some times where then I'll take a couple of weeks off again or we'll bring it right down and then we'll build back up um, until we have more clarity about what's going on and when, and when races will mm. be. But yeah, if I wanted to do that world half as well, that's in, that's like two weeks after London. So oh, right. yeah. So um still having conversations with my coach and stuff about um what my plans will be okay. on those races yeah it's, in, it's a it's a it's a crazy time and and so we just just on the training note so tell us about a kind of typical week of training for you mid-marathon uh, build-up so i usually average about i'm trying to work this out because everyone speaks in miles but i use kilometers <laughs> so i usually run like 90 to 100 kilometers a week um, for my marathon training, maybe peaking up to about 110 for the last, or before we taper those last two weeks. So that's, I think, about 60 to 65 miles. And then I supplement it a lot on the elliptical, as I was saying. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really tend to double run throughout the week. I just jump on the cross trainer um, as that that double run. So on Mondays, I tend to have a non-running day and I'll swim and cross train. Um, Tuesdays, I'll do a cross train in the morning and then we do our track sessions in the evening. And then we're mm-hmm. straight up to the weights room. So we, we tend to keep our kind of hard days hard. So Tuesday evenings tend to be quite a long one. <laughs> um, especially because that's, I work and I work part-time, but Tuesday is actually a day that I work. So um, that's quite a long day by the time I get home. But unfortunately, I'm off work on the Wednesday, so I can have a little lie-in, nice. um, recover from that session and that late night. And then I have on the Wednesday, I do a recovery run, which varies between... 10 and 15k and then I'll do probably between 40 and 60 minutes on the cross trainer as well and then Thursdays we tend to have um some kind of longer tempo session um Fridays is a kind of another easy day where I'll do a swim and a cross train sat over the weekend we tend to try and fit in some kind of marathon based session sometimes it's on a Saturday or sometimes we'll incorporate it as part of our our long run um and that's kind of like the main the main bulk of my training. But yeah, I usually cross train probably five times a week, and then I'll I'll add in some swims as well, two swims a week. That's really interesting. What's the background of that? Is that just um is that because you've had injuries in the past that you've you've decided to keep the mileage low or volume low, or is that because you've it's worked well for you, which clearly it is. Well, I think it was it was started after Berlin when I had the the hip injury now the hip injury actually didn't turn out to be anything too serious I just basically had a lot of tightness built up around my hip which was causing a lot of strain right down the the right side of my leg um so once I got on top of all those um stretching exercises and strengthening that area um it's been absolutely fine ever since I've not had any issues with the hip but that I guess kind of triggered that um the mileage that I was doing for Berlin was, had been okay and when I was building back in after the hip injury we used the cross trainer a lot then anyway because it was pain-free for me mm-hmm. so once we started running again after the hip injury we kind of kept that cross training in and it's just kind of always stayed there um I have tried to creep up my mileage a few times but then I've had like shin niggles and just end up creeping it down and then just would rather stick there. Um, but we'll see. I mean, now is maybe a time that I might start seeing if I creep up a little bit, but I don't think I'll ever be one of those runners that runs, I was going to say over 90 miles, but a lot of them run like 100 to 120 miles. So I don't think, I don't think I'll ever be, be one of them. I think the cross training really helps me bring a lot more quality to my sessions. Mm. I think that's that's quite an important message for anyone who's listening. It's all about a what works for you, and whatever you're doing is clearly working for you. Uh, you know the standard you're running at, and and you're and you're keeping fit. And secondly, you're you're obviously you the volume your aerobic volume for the week is obviously high. It's just not all pounding pavements. Exactly. Is, yeah, know. we do a lot of aerobic work on the cross trainer, and whenever I'm injured, I always stop like get onto the cross trainer and do the exact same sessions, just time based rather than distance based on the on the cross trainer and it's always kept my fitness levels um really high so i really really rate it as a way of replacing the running and it does just avoid that pounding of the pavements all the mm-hmm. time um and you're still building that that big aerobic base and i actually am finding on the bike right now um has actually been a quite a good change as well because i feel like 
the bike just seems that little bit harder than the cross trainer sometimes. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that will really be benefiting my aerobic base as well. I think it helps because I'm using Zwift. Have you used it? I have, yeah. I, like I get so competitive on it. You go on like an easy ride. So <laughs> I have to rein myself in. Yeah, there's a, actually a, there's a Zwift running, which I've never done, but I've heard a few people, apparently it's getting, it's the same problem that you go on for an easy run and suddenly you're in like a pack of runners and you've got to crank your treadmill up to like six minute mile and just to, yeah. to, to compete. So, yeah. That's really, that's a really interesting, that's really uh, a really interesting training. Not, you know, it's, as you say, it's a lot of, a lot of, um, non-running in there which, which is cool um one thing that's that i'm i'm interested to hear about is about uh, your fueling we always it's, it's amazing to hear all these you know different um top runners come on and tell us differently how do you fuel for a marathon do you mean during the marathon during the marathon yeah so berlin because i and london actually i didn't obviously have any tables set up because i was just in the masses mm-hmm. so i was just using the sis gels now, I've actually never really experimented with a lot of other gels just because they've always worked for me. There's never been any issues with them. So it's just a case I've just been practicing and training how often I would need to take them. Um, I feel like I probably take quite a lot of gels when I'm running. I feel like I take them every kind of probably four to five K, but I don't necessarily okay. finish each gel as I take it. Um, and then for Valencia, I was fortunate enough to have drinks out on a table. So instead of just picking up the, the water from the water stations, which I'd done in the past, um, I was picking them up from the tables, which I hadn't actually practiced too much in training. <laughs> but it went okay on the day. I strapped some gels to my bottle and I had a few on me. Um, and I, I think I missed two drinks. I did miss two drinks. Um, but because I'd put them out on every table, I wasn't concerned about it. I had gels on me, so I was kind of covered if I had what I did miss a drink mm-hmm. um so next time when I run at London hopefully I'll have the tables again so that is a really really big help um mm. having those and I put in my drinks um OTE super carbs um again okay. someone just recommended it to me I tried it I had no issues with it so I've just stuck with it nice. um so that's the kind of the two the two feelings that I use that's interesting. I mean, do you know, it's it's amazing how many people we get on here. And, you know, again, the Hawkins were the same last week, SIS gels. And I think, you know, in a world where you've got, there's so many, you know, there's big marketing for various companies like Morton and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if something works for you, it works. And that's yeah. the... I haven't bothered experimenting. Like you say, there's so many out there and you see them advertised all the time on social media. And you're thinking, oh, that athlete's using that one. Maybe I should try it. But I just don't see the point in trying something when it doesn't need to change if it's working mm-hmm. for you then stick with it but yeah i definitely everyone needs to practice and um, their their fueling and training is so important i don't think some people realize absolutely the number of people you see who are having an absolute disaster on embankment it's because they've either gone yeah. too fast or they've cocked up their fueling yeah and it's just making sure you get that fueling in before you need it because if you wait until it's too late until you're tired or you're flagging then you just you've screwed it up it's You're not gonna done. work <laughs> yeah not a pleasant place to be um so just looking ahead a little bit then how um what what are the future goals then for for steph davis i mean i know the next six months to a year are a little bit up in the air but generally um you know you made such a good progression what's 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 the next ambition so for the time being sorry that's my dog going crazy. <laughs> um for the time being 
I would like to kind of keep my mileage a bit lower and work on that 5-10k speed because that's something that I haven't mm. really had a chance to work on because we've been doing back-to-back marathons. Um, so that's the kind of goal for the next few months until we have more clarity on when this lockdown and when races will be back. But as soon as I can start planning for the next marathon, whether that be London this year or London next year, um, that will be the goal. And obviously trying to make the, the team for Tokyo next year um, is, the, is the ultimate goal. Um, it's just so hard to kind of plan exactly what races you'll be doing, obviously, just now. Um, I'd love to do another half. I'd love to do world half if everything lines up time-wise. Um, but it will all just depend on what's announced with um, Olympic trials. And then everything will be kind of formed around that. Um, my plan was originally to do London, rest for a little bit, and then do some kind of quick stuff over the summer, a little bit of track. I don't tend to do too much track over the summer, maybe one or two races, but they're always quite fun and it's a good way to kind of mm-hmm. work on something a bit different before the next marathon build begins. Because I have to say, when I look at your record and your, your half and your marathon are stand out. I mean, 71.15, 227.40, but your, your five and your 10 have definitely got, you've definitely got room there. Yeah, I, well, especially my five. I haven't raced like when I did <laughs> British Champs 5K, that was the last one. I'd actually been injured for two weeks before. So my coach really didn't want me to do it because my first run had not run for about two weeks. And I did a run about four days before British Champs. And my coach was like, I really don't want you to do it. And I was like, please, like, (laughs) it's such like a big opportunity. I was really excited. Um, So Manchester didn't let me do it. And I actually went okay in the day, all considering, given I hadn't been running the heat, et cetera. But yeah, really, I feel like I've got demons there that I want to go back and um, and do that, do the five k again. Not necessarily on the track, but even just the road as well mm-hmm. to kind of get better records. <laughs> Have you ever run the night the ten k PBs at Highgate? So I did that last year. Did you? Okay, how did uh, that go? So again, I learned a lot from that race. I was on track to run sub thirty three, and I had paced it quite well, but. Because the race was later in the evening, which I'd never done before, I just got my my meals so wrong during the day. Mm. And I made us a late lunch um, and made like a rice chicken thing, but put fajita spice in it. And as we were eating it, my boyfriend's like, this is really spicy. Why are you having this pre-race meal? And I was like, no, it's it's mild. It's only got one chili on the front of the pack. It'll be absolutely fine. He was like, okay. And then... During the race, about a third of the way in, bad stomach cramps. <laughs> so I was like, I am not dropping out of this race. So I just kept kind of working, got progressively sore as, as each lap came and went. But um, I was proud of myself for not giving up. So that was a, a lesson on the nutrition side of things. Nice, yeah. <laughs> no fajitas. Look at action. Your, even your 5K split through that is not, it's pretty good. It's not, not really miles away from your 5K PB, which shows... no. 1621 there you definitely i've got room at both to move which is yeah that's a good place to be then that's good you've got uh things to yeah so i'd like to work on them and i'll do some time trials hopefully in the next few weeks or month or so um to kind of give myself some goals to work on um during this time that's the plan nice Right, so before uh before we let you go steph what we're going to do is uh finish off with some fart like questions if that's okay Okay. So I'm just going to rattle out a few questions and answer 
uh, first thing that comes to mind. So are you ready? I think so. I'm a bit scared. <laughs> Cross country, road, hills or track? Road. Pre-race meal? Pre-race meal, porridge, hands nice. down. Nice, good answer. Favourite shoe? Nike 4%. Nice. Not the next percent. I think I prefer the fours. Interesting. I honestly, I was messaging my agent yesterday to be like, can, is there any chance we can find some fours anywhere? <laughs> because you just can't get them now. And I stupidly didn't stock up when they had a great sale on a few you months did. ago. And I got one pair and I should have bought as many as I could and I didn't. Oh, interesting ever. answer. Yeah, I have to say, I do like the four percent. Favourite movie? Oh, I'm not much of a movie buff. Um, favorite movie? It's got to be some kind of like rom com. <laughs> um, what's my favorite movie? Oh, I feel like the clock is ticking. Um, I quite like it's complicated with Meryl Streep in it, just because it's really like hearted okay. and funny. Yeah, nice. It's a good we've, one. we've not had that before. That's a new one. Favorite race? Favorite race: London Marathon. Nice. We also, I can't walk and said that last week. Yeah. Worst race experience? Worst race experience. I mean, you might think it would be the fajita tummy, but it was actually <laughs> probably Oxford half. It was a bad day. So what it happened? Was just, it was torrential conditions. Um, and the first half was okay. I was kind of in a pack on track for the time I wanted. And then the wheels kind of started to fall off a bit, I think more on the mental side. And I ended up kind of running completely on my own. By this point, it was just torrential rain and we hit a, what was meant to be like a nice park that turned into like a cross-country field in 4% is not ideal. Oh. Yeah. And I was running on my own because the weather was so bad, nobody wanted to be out spectating. So I wasn't even sure if I was going the right way. So it was just a bit stressful. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, I cried as I crossed the finish line in first place. Oh, dear. Looking back, <laughs> it was really embarrassing. That's a special finish line photo. I hope you've got that one. <laughs> Rest day or recovery run? Recovery run. Favourite place to run? Majorca. Nice. Yeah, that's where I like to train, if I can get oh, away. Oh, cool. Do you take the bike out as well? Yeah. Nice. It's awesome for cycling. Yeah. Very nice. Clapham Chasers, Edinburgh Unihiris or Victoria Park? Clapham Chasers. Definitely. <laughs> morning shuffle or evening saunter evening saunter nice running hero my running hero probably Kelly Holmes actually she was always one that I admired mm. a lot when we were younger when I did a bit of track work so she's always just been someone that's kind of stuck in my mind and yeah me and my sister have a shared passion for her so she's a cool. my faith. nice nice that, we haven't had that that's cool um Miles or kilometres? Kilometres, hands down. <laughs> you, you've already given us that one. Uh, Favourite distance? Marathon. Post-race treat? Probably porridge again. I just love porridge. It's so <laughs> lame, but like, I'd eat porridge for every meal if I could. Do you throw anything in it? Are you just uh, plain up porridge? Or do you, you don't treat yourself in chocolate chips or anything? No, you see all these fancy ones on Instagram, like, oh, I should maybe do that. But then when it comes down to it, just give me some porridge with either some syrup or some honey. You're winning. And, and your brand of porridge, are you, have you, any, are you any old porridge? Or do you have a, a specific one? No, I'm quite to? fussy. Don't give me those big fat jumbo oats. I do not like them. Nice. 
The, uh, for me, I can only quake. It's quakers or nothing for me. That's the. That's I do the like only quakers. Yeah, they are good, but. And finally, you can race one more race in your career. It could be one you've already done. It could be one you haven't yet done. What race would it be? I'd probably actually do London Marathon. Nice. Yeah, if that was the only race I could do again, be London Marathon. Like the crowds were just amazing. It's hometown. So, yeah, it would just be a special one. That's cool. On the, I mean, beyond the, the, the one race thing, I mean, are the other majors, are those on your, any other marathons on your, on your to-do list? At the moment, I think whilst I'm where I'm at, I'm more focused on kind of getting those times. So for me, New York and, and Boston or Chicago, whatever the hillier ones are, they're not quite up there on my list yet. Um, I think definitely once I feel like I've achieved what I can with the times of the marathon and we'll see what happens with the Olympics, then I definitely would want to go on to all the majors. Mm-hmm. But I think at the moment I'll just tackle the, the faster European courses. What was the inspiration behind Valencia? Is that just because it was, it's a quick course and it's a good time of year? So the year before, so to, uh, what, 2000 and, what year are we in now? 2018, loads of people in my club went and they all just absolutely raved about it. So when I did London um, last year, it kind of, when we were choosing an autumn marathon, we just kind of thought um, Valencia would be a good one. It gives a bit more time being kind of later in the year. Mm, cool. And I had so many friends that were going out to do it um, that that was the kind of, and it was flat, so that helps. Nice. I'm going out this year, actually. Um, That's so ahead. good. I'm very excited, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it's it, awesome. it was, it was like to yourself, amongst others, who I saw results coming in December last year. I thought, yeah, this is, a, yeah. This is the one to go to. And the weather was just so perfect. We were actually really lucky because the next day when we flew home, it was torrential rain. But oh building up to it, the weather had just been spot on. So it's just, it's a great city. Nice. You'll love it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Steph, thank you so much for giving your time to come on. It's been, uh, it's been really interesting. And fingers crossed that we see some semblance of a racing calendar towards the end of the year and we see you line up and hopefully we can see you run a storm at what eventually will be the, the Olympic trial. Fingers crossed. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Grand, right. Well, we will uh, hopefully catch up with you soon at some stage. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Brilliant. Really, thank you so much for coming on the show, Steph. Again, I, I haven't listened to the interview, but I'll, by, boy, oh boy, I'll be, I'll be ready to go for this one. I'll be really looking forward to listening to this one. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, Steph. So, Tom, we, we have a, you know, we, we, after much um, desperation of getting some rants in, we've we've got a, a sudden surge of rants coming in, which is fantastic. So thanks again, folks, for getting your rants in, and please continue getting the rants in because by all means we're gonna we're gonna read them out if we're if we think they're relevant and they all are. So um, we've we've we're gonna thank. Um, I'm not sure if this one's anonymous this time. I don't well, see an anonymous I, in there. No. In, in the actual email, so Roddy Cunningham, thanks for your rant. Um, yeah. Westerland CCC. Yep, yep. And, and Roddy, here's the rant. Um, the first, he's got a few rants, so he's he's near a happy guy during the lockdown. That's uh, <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> um, so the first rant we have um, is running, particularly that of the road variety, can make for some pretty dry and monotonous photography. One trend that I particularly dislike is when people, whilst out in their runs, rig up their phone to take a self-timed photo of them 
in mid-stride, looking as though they're in the first 20 metres of a 100-metre sprint. It's obviously meant to look candid. I get it, but it just looks crap, and quite frankly, the amount of time it must take to get the timer right with the knee up, right the local dog walker and frame must be obscene. If you need a photo for Strava every, after every session, just chuck in a, swelfy self, a, swelfy? a sweaty selfie at the end of the session. What do you think of that? that, that that's me reading that rant out with about two pineapple and rums and, and one glass of red wine, Tom. Yeah, that's a pretty good effort there. I think, I, I, I think that's a brilliant rant. I think it is. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, a good friend of mine is, is guilty of this. And I... <laughs> I you know I find it bizarre. This is this is this is name. Uh, he looks like the predator. Start reaction. His first name. But the difference with him is he 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 uh, he's going up a hill, so it doesn't look as as yeah uh, true actually yeah yeah if you're doing it yeah yeah there's folks who do it on like on a or like a city street when they're doing the strides and it's the fact they're running past the camera they know they're running past the camera but they're looking forward like in the distance <laughs> you know you know your camera's right there you now, know I'm i don't respect to give a thumbs up i'm gonna be honest right tom you must have done it before you i've must never have. done it i've been You've part of one you, you and i once have, no i've never must. set up my phone never ever so fiona's never you've never to be honest though, you never really run with fiona anyway i mean you go out for your long runs you do it de- separately. Yeah. But do you not like if you're going out for a run with Fiona? Do you not go right? Give me this a fantastic view I've got here. Look at look at the the view of Countess Wells Village. Let's would, take a, let's take I, a selfie or let's take a. Oh, I've done it wrong. Mid, I do run. selfies. Don't get me wrong. I've taken many a selfie on a run. I've taken many a photo on a run. But I've never I've never put my timer on the. I've never framed up a shot, gone back, ran ran through to get a shot of me in action. I, well, I'm going to be honest. I have, eh? <laughs> and it's uh, what a I mean, promise. What a faff it is. And and you know what? Like, I'm so glad I'm not sponsored by anyone to do all that shit because it's just forced, you know. Like, yeah. I, I just could, I I couldn't be arsed doing that, you know. Hashtag. And I, I did I did you know when I was at I'm I'm going to be I'm not a salmon ambassador now, but I just can't be arsed hashtagging and and running mid mid run. I've got training to do. I've got to. I've got running to do here. I've got to try and get quicker. I'm not going to yeah. piss around setting my shitty camera, my iPhone that doesn't even have good battery, uh, to to do a a a mid a mid run up a hill when it's howling a gale. You know, uh, yeah, I, I just can't be done with. It. What what that? You know, it's funny though. Uh, your man, uh, you know, listening to the show, Gary House, he's got some cracking uh, photos of him. Just taking the piss out of these folk, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, him running and, uh, and, and just taking the absolute piss out of folk who do that. I think it's hilarious. But I think Roddy's spot on at the end. If you need a photo for a Strava after every session, chuck in a sweaty selfie at the end of the session. Do you know who who, who loves a bit of selfie action? Mikey Wright. Shout out Mikey oh, Wright. Follow his Strava. There's, there's a man who knows how to give a selfie and a thumbs up at the end of a at the end of a session that's what you want you know you know i don't really care if it's if you're if you if you if you're pretending you aren't looking at the camera folks just do a, a thumbs up now the second rant roddy sends in we're going to give both the roddies i'd like to read this because i've got a real gripe with this as well so roddy says not exclusively a runner related rant but there are a fair share out there guilty is the obsessive need of everyone to post their home workout video live on the gram straight from the living room professional athletes must just be excused as they will be scraping the barrel to get media content out there for their sponsors but the rest of you forget it. 
I get if you like to keep fit and you've got loads of time in your hands, but I don't need to see 30-second videos how you do the plank or a 20-minute Pilates routine sped up into 10 seconds. If I wanted a fitness video for the house, I'd look up YouTube for a classic 90s Mr. Motivator routine. The COVID and lockdown has brought out the worst of this. I've got to say, there's, there is far too many people sharing their home workouts like they're suddenly experts or, or fitness trainers. Um, I, I, you know, if, uh, it's, not something I want, it's not something I'm that fussed with seeing. And I've unfollowed many a person on Instagram in the last three, four weeks because they've been sharing a home workout that just doesn't interest me. Uh, so, Roddy, I'm completely with you on that one. Completely with you. I get. I think you're right. You know, being a personal trainer, I, I actually was thinking of doing a little home workout, but I really don't have the face for YouTube. Or <laughs> I've got the face for a podcast, so I decided against it. And the state of me after all my pineapple rums, you don't really want to see me as Mr. Motivator these days. There's a, there's I tell you who's back in the game. Did you see Mr. Motivator on the... I did the, see that, the, yeah. He's back. Do you know how old he is? 65? Oh, he's older than that. He's like yeah. 70. Blame me. <laughs> He's like six. I think he's. Uh, I think he's like sixty-eight or something. Oh, yeah. oh boy! <laughs> How crazy is that? It's crazy. Good for him. He's, he's um, still got it. Eh? He has still got, he's got it. But he's, he's got his massive pot belly though, so he, he looks a bit weird, you know, doing all these home workouts with his big pot belly. But nonetheless, you know, he's still cracking on. And uh, speaking of you know, fitness legends of old right as i said many times i've been watching a lot of old london marathons and do you know who gets an outrageous amount of airtime on the london marathon in the 80s jimmy savile oh does he honestly it's no wonder they don't really show these things on bbc they have a job <laughs> editing him out he's 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 everywhere it's like oh there's oh. jimmy there's jimmy savile and he's always got a huge <laughs> there's always a huge number of folk running with him because he's like a celebrity it's terrible it's, it's, i remember uh, the first time i met jimmy was um at the Balmoral, run Balmoral, when it was 19, I think it was the year Paul Radcliffe broke the five mile world record. I was racing the, I was in the junior event. Um, I think Ailish McCoggan was there actually, and uh, yeah. Bryony Curtis as well. There's a few good runners. <laughs> I, I, love, I love Bryony, but that's a bit of a yeah. well, she, she, standard. She, well, she was a good runner as a junior. She know? was, but you've, uh, you've just gone Paul Radcliffe. Brandy Curtis, who I honestly love, love it to bits, but I'm not sure that's a bizarre, a bizarre grouping. But she, she was, she was like in the national, you know, top three as a junior. And uh, but the only reason I remember her name is John Newsom as well. I'm, I was sitting next to John Newsom in the bus uh, um, when I was going there too, and um, first time I ever met him, and we're still going strong. But Jimmy Savile was there, you know, and he was just loving it, you know. And what, a, what, a, what a sick bastard, eh? But. Anyway, yeah. let's, let's, let's uh, like, I guess, yeah, maybe we, we, have we should, should go. Yeah, we don't have too much airtime. Right, yeah. so that's the rants. Thanks for the rants. We've got a couple more in the locker, but please keep them coming. So, Kyle, would you like to talk through the TRS run of the week? Well, TRS run of the week is um, is a fantastic, a fantastic run of the week, actually. So we've got uh, Ali Sutherland, who's a member of the, the Cosmic Hill Bashers. So basically... Ali's been doing, um, essentially he was going to be due to run a series of 100-mile ultras this year. Um, he completed a couple of hundreds last year. Obviously, the, the COVID virus has completely knocked that to, to shit, to smithereens. Um, so he started running a marathon every day, which is mental. You know, who the hell wants to run? I just ran 24 miles yesterday and I'm gone, you know. Uh, so he's ran 18 marathons in 18 days which is 
crazy. Um, so, so yeah, so what do, what do you make of that? Do you think, I think it's completely mental to be running 26 miles a day after 18 days. I, not, not one for me. No. Um, so for me, I know Ali, I've, I've met Ali and I think Ali deserves the, the runner of the week. So congratulations, Ali. Yeah, well done, Ali. Good on you for your mileage uh, and good luck for the continuation of this monster, monster trend. I don't know how many actual marathons he's got to do or how many he's wanting to do, but man, what do you think? Would you want to do something like that? My problem with run streaks are, and I've, I've started to realize I'm on a bit of a streak at the moment, but the problem is the minute you get into any kind of streak like that, it's just suddenly then becomes an extra reason. I mean, it can be good if it keeps you motivated, but at the same time, he's done it. What has he done? A marathon a day? Um, yeah, he's on. Yeah, so like sort of trail runs as well, and up and down Benahi is a boy. That's not yeah, they're not exactly easy routes, <laughs> and it's not that slow either, you know. And I think some some of these back to back, you know, no, no disrespect to anyone who he's does on. them, but uh, it's, you know you can do them really really easy. I think anyone can do something like that, but when he's it when it goes, yeah, it goes with pace. It's it's a lot more difficult to do, you know. I'm just looking at uh, Strava now. 19 days on the trot. That is unreal. <laughs> like so yeah yeah so yesterday was or today he's done it monday to yesterday 26.28 miles eight and 347 the day before Ucha. all from his home all from it's his not, home yeah all from his home none of us uh uh traveling anywhere and stuff so what was his i mean his mile last week he ran 189 miles the week before he ran i guess it'd be 189 miles yeah 189 miles bloody hell 189 um, miles oh yeah and he's, I love it, he's using the Roman numerals to name them. Good on him. <laughs> oh, that's the one yeah. to remember, eh? So well done, Ali. Um, you know, we'll give Ali Strava a plug. Have a look. Ali Sutherland on, on Strava, and you can follow his journeys. I don't, know if, I don't know if he's got any idea how many he wants to do. I don't know. Well, Mental. We'll find out. We'll, we'll keep you informed next week, folks. Yeah, good on you, mate. We'll keep an eye on the Strava. So... Job. I guess the last thing we're going to do is we had a bit of a we put out on um we put a request on on Facebook last week uh, we talked about this on the podcast a while ago that we wanted to liven up the show a wee bit and get some new music so next week we're going to announce our lot and debut our new starting music and some jingles which we're so excited about firstly thank you to everyone who got in touch some absolutely incredible um, offers and some incredible music and yeah really exciting. Um, and the one that we're the, the one we're going to go with, the listener who got in touch, and we'll talk about it next week. It's brilliant. We're so excited. Um, yeah. But we've also got a really cool outro as well, haven't we, Carl? That we're gonna that we're gonna start using. Well, I think that's it. You know, we could have went for the the intro and the you know in, for the first one, the intro and the outro, the same song. But uh, we got a, a last minute um, you know a last minute message which had something that almost brought a tear to. Kyle, Tom and Kyle's eye, eh? which yeah, I think is absolutely. absolutely superb. Um, and I'm sure you guys will, will, will absolutely uh, will, will, will go for it too and you'll be delighted with the, the choice. So we're going to give you the outro um, for, the, for just now, for this episode, and we're going to give you the intro for next week as well. So, um, yeah. Um, so here it goes. But before I, I say here it goes, just a reminder, folks, if you want to get in contact with us, Contact us at tartanrunningshorts at gmail.com. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at Tartan Running Shorts, uh, our Twitter handle at Tartan Shorts. And uh, we urge you all to 
give us a review on um, or a review or just a like on on our iTunes. Um, five stars, hopefully. <laughs> Finally, right now. Five or nothing. We don't want anything short. <laughs> if it's going to be four stars, no. Nah. Nah. We're not interested. Yeah. Give us a review, folks. That's the least you can do. And, uh, and we're at 980 likes on Facebook. So, you know, if you haven't liked us yet, give us a like to get us to get the four involved. figures, eh? Um, and get involved in the TRS banter. So, um, mm. so yeah, thanks again, folks, for all your help, all your support. And uh, here's the outro. And, but what, and also, don't be, a, let's, don't be a dick. Listen to it all. We are so touched to, to have this. So, don't hit the don't hit the credits and, and leave. <laughs> yeah. We're going to big up this man next week, who's a, a legend who's pulled us together. Listen to it all. Absolutely, Tom. It's brilliant. I want to say I was I've, I've never been I've never had my name in a song before, not even at my wedding. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, have a good week, Kyle and listeners, and we will. Yeah, we'll speak to you next week. And that's a wrap.